Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, America's podcast, where we help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. Great guest today. It's Cheryl Horn. But first, a little info. We have been nominated for the podcast awards, and someone recently very sweetly asked, If we knew if we won yet and very thoughtful of them to ask. It was actually previous guest Colin Batten. Very nice, very funny, talented guy. But we don't know yet if we have won an award for the podcast awards. You have to wait to hear that with me. I will know that on September 30th. That's when the uh, telecast, or it's not really a telecast, a webcast is going to be. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we win something. But thank you so much for your support and getting us nominated in so many categories. That was really cool. Well, okay, on to today's episode. It's with my pal, Cheryl Horn. She's really great. I met her at The Magnet, and she's super funny. This is a very sweet chat. So let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Cheryl Horn. I feel like anyone who doesn't live here assumes that that's all we do but i feel i talk to more new yorkers that don't do anything touristy ever it feels like uh sacrilegious and so when you get to there's so many things in the city i haven't seen it's sad because i've seen other parts of the world but like in my own backyard i've seen one thing did i see the sacrilegious maybe the moma i think that's it <laughs> i can understand that i mean when you live here yeah you don't it's 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 probably more like yeah i'll get around to it eventually but... exactly it's always at my fingertips Yeah, you grew up in New York. Yes, I grew up in Long Island, in Wheatley Heights. So Long Island is split into Suffolk County and Nassau County. Mm -hmm. Nassau County is closer to Manhattan. And then Suffolk County is like, you think of like, I don't know. I wouldn't say deep woods, but like kind of like that. And I'm on the cusp. Um, So when I tell people Long Island, they always have like, there's always a host of questions that follow. Like, what part of Long Island? And then... You say the town and my town no one's heard of so i have to like it's between this and this and then even if they haven't heard of it they go oh okay 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 and then <laughs> we just kind of move on <laughs> yeah i totally get that i mean when the farther you go down in long island the more it's like this is like uh anywhere in america and not like so new york city exactly like. <laughs> exactly yep definitely yeah it it feels I guess every town can have a different feel, but Long Island feels very like out outside of the city. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think purposely so. I think that's where a lot of people are like, I'm going to raise my kids here. In the <laughs> suburb. Yeah, this is a respite from all the <laughs> hubble and bubble in the city. Right. You have a, okay, I see the Fitbit. Yeah. I had How like, many steps do you do? In the before times, it was, it, it was at least close to 10,000 steps. Okay before you know just taking a trip to the magnet to do a show sure yeah not going anywhere else really that i could get ten thousand steps out of that (laughs) now it's probably like like where am i at right now Uh, the only time i went out today was to pick up pizza yeah so i'm at 2700 steps okay that's nothing yeah i'm at 37 and i thought i did a lot i thought i was gonna be like showing off but this is embarrassing yeah yeah um that's wild (laughs) <laughs> I love when people call it the before times. I haven't used it yet, but I really want to start incorporating that into my vocabulary in the before <laughs> times. It sounds so like historical. You're about it to tell does. some epic story. <laughs> A time. time before masks. Yeah, this is going to be our Great Depression. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to last a couple of years to get out of it, I think. Yeah, it for sure. to if everyone just wore a mask. Talk about it. Preach, Jason. I know. It's crazy. Um, I was looking around today and like people are still not doing it. It's just like still. I know the rules were lifted. Maybe. I don't even remember. Everything's still like such a bubble of nonsense. But um, the rules were lifted, but now cases are going up. So do you really need someone to tell you to wear a mask to prevent? It's crazy. Yeah. People are uh, bizarre. 
they don't like to be told things, but then like yes. when it goes bad, they're like, well, why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> like, this is your fault. Someone's going to go to a show or go to a, go to some place faking uh-huh. uh, that they've been vaccinated and then they're going to get COVID and they're going to be the first to sue. <laughs> <laughs> the oh person gosh. who faked that they got vaccinated. Oh yeah, I know so that. That's a. There's so many moments in the past year and a half where it's like that's a thing. Like people are do people are paying three hundred dollars for fake vaccination cards and the vaccination's free. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so bizarre. Um, yeah. During COVID, were you performing much? I know you were. You're you're performing with Jim, so I know you're doing some of those online shows, right? No, so I I'm not with Jim. Um, I did a few. No, no, no. I'm no longer with. I'm the artist formerly <laughs> known as a member of Jim. <laughs> I was on Jim, uh, but I'm not on Jim anymore. I am. I haven't done actually. My last show with Jim was. If you can think back, I'm gonna use it. Ready to the before times. Um, my last show with Jim was our last time in the theater. And I say think back to the before times because we no one knew exactly what was going to happen. Right. Um, but that was my last performance with Jim. And I remember talking to uh, to Michael, who's the, um, obviously the musical director, at, or the director, director yeah. yeah. Yes. And he said, he's like, yeah, we're probably gonna be in quarantine maybe two weeks. And we all thought that. Mm-hmm. And now we're just like laughing at ourselves, like, ha, two weeks, that's not, reality but that was my last time doing musical improv um up until i sat in with premiere about a month ago but i hadn't done musical improv in over a year and a half so the last time i didn't do any musical improv online i just did my final gem show in person and then i did uh the show a month ago and i'm like one thing the the this experience taught me personally is like how much I value the little thing, like improv to me was something that I just did. It was like, yeah, I do it after work and I catch a train and I go back and it's it's a fun thing that I was able to discover. Um, but it's not just that, like I value it, I need it. Uh-huh. To think about the time I spent without it, it's like, it's wild, it's really wild. For sure. Um, I, I've been doing it pretty regularly for so many years now that when people take breaks or talk about taking breaks, I'm like, um, when do people do that? (laughs) Right. Like where, where they do that? Yeah. (laughs) It's like a big how I was able to do a Shakespearean digital production of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm Mm-hmm. Elon Kaplan put it on. We did a completely virtual show, Shakespearean show, and it was amazing. There were costumes, there was set design, there was music, backdrops, like, but all the little details you have to put into like uh, building a set, we were, he was putting into making sure that your name is removed from the bottom, so that's not a distraction. Make sure that there's no background noise. It's, yeah, new age of everything. Yep. You studied musical theater in high school and college, right? Mm-hmm. I did. So, so you've been wanting to do this kind of stuff for a long time. Forever. Forever. Yeah. It's one of those things where you, like, you want to do it and then like, you know, you start studying different things, but it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. There's there's never a time when I'm looking at a, a Broadway show or, or just any show, honestly. It can be something on YouTube. And before I found the Magnet Theater, before I found Improv, it was just something I wanted to do, but it really didn't have, unless I really committed myself fully to it, which I wasn't in a position to do, I didn't have access to it. So when I talk about um, improv to people who aren't familiar with it, I always say like, it's the perfect, it's perfect. Like I get that musical theater fix, but there are no lines, there are no costumes, there's no, like we have rehearsals, but not rehearsals. Practice. Right, right, it's, it's not as intense. As a mm-hmm. play rehearsal. <laughs> right. Have you heard? How do you rehearse? How do you rehearse for improv? Have you heard that? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, how do you practice basketball? You know, it's right. Like you do the fundamentals again and again and again. Yes. You know, yes. You, you, we just do what the show is a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not... Sass, sassy answer. I'm going to steal that. I don't know what I say. <laughs> I didn't have so much, uh, so much angst in my voice when I say it, but now. <laughs> 
you see a, you've seen a basketball game, right? That's, <laughs> That's my new response. But it is, yeah, no, that is a very common <laughs> question. It is like, all right, you know, I get it. You haven't done this before, but. Right, right. You know, what would you guess? <laughs> yeah, take, take, yeah. It's the, I, I think I always say like, just getting yourself used to doing it. So it's not your first time ever right. doing the thing on stage. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think people can't, because it's happening on a stage, people can't divorce it from a yes. play. From the oh yes. Of a play, and it's like, okay. yes. And Especially then, if it's if it's done in a way that's like impressive, like that was that was staged. That was totally staged. That was yeah. Planned. That's the thing I was about uh -huh. to say is that I think it's a lot of people really just finding a way to say, but you're not really making it up, right? <laughs> you memorize something, right? Yes. Nope. Yep. Uh, it's the lean in, the squinted eye. Come on, you didn't really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a compliment, I guess, for an improviser. <laughs> yeah, you wrote that. They don't mean it as a compliment, but it is. No, they don't know. They don't need to know. <laughs> How we take it. When you did find Magnet and you start studying there, um, mm -hmm. I assume you were like, okay, you know, I found this the place now that I can do it as an adult. Yes. That's exactly what it was. It was, it's <laughs> like certain ter improv terms, like, let's play together. It, it, those are not. You say it as a grown up, and if you say it as a grown up, you mean something completely different. So, um, <laughs> so like those things were new, but it, it was exactly that. It's like you get to play make believe, and you get to pretend to be anyone you want and be silly. And you're not the only like goofball being silly. There's a community of other super silly people that are just pushing you to be even sillier. Um, yeah, I was so grateful when I thought, I think, okay, so my magnet origin story is, um, it was my 24th, I want to say my 24th birthday. And, um, when I was at first, like when I was younger, going to the city was a big deal. It was like, we're going to take the hour long, long Island railroad into the, it was, it was, it was huge, not huge, but like. It was a thing, like my whole day was about going to the city. And um, our plan was to go to the city. Um, I was with Vanita, we were gonna go in together. Mm -hmm. Vanita, my uh, partner in crime, as you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Vanita Kumar, we're which we'll have to mention her again in a minute. Yes, 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 we'll talk about, we'll get into the whole Vanita. I don't wanna talk the whole Vanita thing. The Vanita exists. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Vanita scandal that everyone knows about that we're not going to name, but we're going to like talk around. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we went to the city. She surprised me by seeing an improv show. We went to the theater. I was, I had that feeling I told you about where I'm like, I want to be up there. I don't know. I don't fully understand what's going on, but I love this. <laughs> and then, um, and then for the first time, maybe it wasn't 24. Maybe I was younger. Maybe it was like 21, 22. But uh, for the first time, we uh, we bar hopped, and it was it was a, a it was an experience. Um, yeah, <laughs> how much more I feel like sharing of that, or how much more I remember to share. Um, okay, I remember there's one part where I remember we went to a bar and. Um, we got, we went to a bar, we drank whatever. We went to another bar and at that point we had already drank too much and we didn't realize it. So we did that thing where you really feel like you're, you think if you, if, you know how an ostrich sticks their head in the sand and they think no one else can see them? It's kind of like that thing where like, I thought if I pretended to be super like composed, everyone would believe it. So I remember, going up to the bartender and asking for a vodka crayon and being like, I'm sure, now I think back, I'm sure my eyes are like glassy and hair disheveled, but I really thought I was pulling it off. Um, and then that night we um, we got a ride to Vanita's house. Uh, I slept there and my boyfriend called her and said like, Charles does not drink often, like make sure that she doesn't sleep on her back. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention, we didn't eat that whole day. Oh, my the God. The first, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like <laughs> Twiggy 24 or 
22, whatever, however old you're old, uh, not eating and just going to different places. And um, he's like, make sure that she doesn't sleep on her on her back. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I got it. And this is drunk Benito also being like, yeah, I got it, I got it. And um, we decide that since he hadn't eaten all day, the perfect time to eat was at one o'clock in the morning when we finally made it home. And so she made this like sandwich <laughs> and I must have taken one bite and went to sleep. And I guess I had drank more than she did because um, I, woke up late that morning she was already on her couch watching tv i woke up out of her bed she said hi to me but i couldn't respond because i had to run downstairs to get water i had fallen asleep with the unchewed bite of sandwich in my mouth and <laughs> it absorbed all the liquid in my mouth wow so i had the most like Dry mouth on, on top of dry mouth, and um, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, because I definitely yeah. To death. Yes, one hundred percent. And the main thing he said was make sure she doesn't fall asleep on her back. The pre it's really make sure she doesn't fall asleep on her back so she doesn't choke on her own vomit. He, he said nothing about choking on a sandwich. So right, really, right. that's on him if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, yes, but you live to tell the tale, and that's, mm -hmm, uh, that's mm -hmm. as you drink water now. Just... Yes, yeah. The story made me thirsty. <laughs> the story, the story really itself. Me... No, I, this I, is I... actually an ad for Poland Spring. Um, <laughs> the importance of hydration. <laughs> Had I been hydrated earlier in the evening, maybe that, that wouldn't have happened. But... <laughs> now, I've seen that you performed with North Coast. Were you an official member at one point, or were you just like guesting? It was it was like a guest it was like a guest sit in situation, uh -huh. um, but I I performed with them for the summer of twenty nineteen yeah, uh -huh. the summer of twenty nineteen I performed with them and um, I love musical theater I love musical improv I am not I'm not I always I tell everyone I'm not a rapper, uh -huh. but I have that like audition brain where it's like can you rap yeah of course I can rap and so. Um, that summer, I, I did some rapping, but I was mostly the person that, like, did the hooks, the musical hooks. I was like the Rihanna in the Drake song. I wasn't, I was not Drake. <laughs> that's, that's my wheelhouse. I can do a really catchy, give me an R&B hook or, like, a, I don't know, pop rock hook. I can do that. But the, rap, the rapping, I can try. Yeah. How did you get involved with that? So I took a rap the bridge improv class with doug wittick oh, yeah. um the, guest on the podcast oh really okay yeah. awesome so doug um the founder of north coast he did a rap the bridge course and i had seen i think i saw one north coast show or i saw them perform in like a musical improv festival and so i i was like we have to take this class so uh, i I took the class and a few members of Jem also took the class. And um, because we had been playing together already, being in that class together was just another level of silly. Um, and so I, I don't remember everything about the class, but I remember at one point we were voguing and it was just like a whole silly thing. And I think Doug was like, who are you people? How have I been in this community for so long? And I'm just meeting the three. It was Ashley um beth and myself how am i just meeting you guys for the first time and then from there he had um he had i did a I did one of his music videos you know doug does parody videos uh he did a music video called jackson pollock and um i was literally just looking through pictures of that right before we uh, hopped on here today but um yeah he did a music a really funny music video called jackson pollock and um, I was a part of that. And then from there, he asked me to sit in with um, North Coast for a, a few shows, and I ended up doing the whole summer. Cool. As you mentioned already, you're not, you don't see yourself as a rapper, but would you do that again? I would attempt anything. I, <laughs> I feel like I would definitely do it again. Um, I like the idea of rapping. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like a less embarrassing way of saying, like, I love, um there are certain rappers that i'm i just listen to in awe like um black thought mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the tariq trotter from the roots mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. genius like a freaking genius and 
his freestyling abilities is out of this world, a whole nother yeah. universe. He did like um, what a fifteen minute one or something like yes, that. Yes, 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 he yeah. did, and I listened to it. Embarrassed to say, that I listened to it like once a month. Um, Nothing. To be I have a long. It's so good. <laughs> I have a, a comment on there that's gotten a lot of traction. That people are constantly like messaging back because um, someone said like someone said something along the lines of like I wish English teachers respected the art of freestyle and respected the art of rap even more and you're an english and, teacher and i am an english teacher and i'm like i said something like should i teach this to my kids and so and everyone's like yes this is art this is next level poetry this is, these are the modern you know these are the poets of our time yeah so yeah strongly agree and i when i was in high school they would always make us read this old stuff and like shakespeare was cool but so many things sure. were like you know, Beowulf or whatever, and it's just like, why do we have to read this? This is mm -hmm. not good. There are good things now <laughs> that yes. they could teach us and break down, and, yeah. and it would engage us so much better. And so I was going to mention that you're, you know, you're an English teacher because you did mention that improv was not something that you just do after work. Uh, it was more than that for you. And yeah, I knew that you're an English teacher, so I wanted to mm -hmm. ask: Do the students know? <laughs> that you do this oh they the know okay. they know i i i'm that person that like i think i saw a meme on something recently about like an improv meme it's like um something like how do you know someone does improv because they never let you forget they're constantly bringing it up <laughs> and that's me uh improv was on my like in the orientation of the job i, I mentioned it um i bring it up in conversation and then on the first slide of my introduction to my students this year i um i i had a sign that said yes and and i explained that i did improv some of them knew what it was some of them didn't and then i tied it into our class culture and how um i explained the concept of yes and how you, you take what someone says you honor it and you build on it to make it grow into this big beautiful hilarious hopefully hilarious thing and I said, that's what I want this English class to be. Um, I want it to be a discussion. I want it to be collaborative. I want I want that sense of community. So when student one comments on, um, shares one of their annotations, student two is, is dialoguing with it and adding onto it. So that concept of yes and, um, I try, I'm trying to bring that into the classroom. Oh, so they cool. know. There's no question about like, does this one do improv? Yes. 100%. <laughs> Did you end up teaching them the Shriek Trotter? Not yet. Trotter? So, okay. So I am, I'm now teaching at a new school. I taught in, um, in Long Island for the last four years. And then I made a mini, not career pivot, but I, I switched, I transferred, not transferred. I moved on to a new school and it's a completely completely different experience so um the previous school was in long island it's a private school a very interesting uh teaching model education model where all the classes were one-to-one -one. and a lot of people like their their first thought is is it like a special education it really was just um i think the easiest way to explain it is think of like homeschooling but homeschooling in a educational facility, um, if that makes any sense. And kids were there for different reasons. Some of them were like school avoidant and, or they had been bullied, so they would never step foot in a traditional looking school. So they came to um, our school as, a, as like a respite. And then for other kids, it was, um, you know, different reasons. One kid had, uh, he had a career in snowboarding Mm -hmm. And he was working to go pro and at a traditional school, obviously you're gone. You're in, I don't know, Aspen for three months. You, you're going to fall behind. But in our school, because it was one to one, you were able to he was able to um, to really just stop the lesson until he came back. So um, and it was also very it was a private school and very I was teaching very affluent families or very affluent community. And now I'm in East Harlem and I'm teaching predominantly black and brown students that come with, um, you know, all different educational levels and skills and abilities. And it's just, it's, it's such a different experience. 
I've never taught um, kids that look like me before. Oh, wow. Ever. Uh, at our private school, we had one black student in the four years I was there. Um, and then nothing else, no, no Latinx, no Asian, South Asian, Native American. It was just, you know, the one that I, that I know of. Um, so I'm teaching all black and brown students and it's, it's exciting. It's exciting because there are certain conversations that I know I'm going to be able to have that I, I, I was stifled before that I couldn't have. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I, the school year just started. I have not taught the Tariq Trotter freestyle yet, but that is on the docket for sure. That's oh, in our nice. poetry unit. No, hands down. No questions asked. <laughs> Very cool. Um, you also co-founded Happy Harmonies, which is a charity yeah. that you co-founded with Benita Kumar, which we yeah. said we were going to get back to talking about. The scan she goes the by Benita the scandalous Benita scandalous Kumar. Benita. Kumar. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the the Kumar of it all. Um, <laughs> what is that charity? I, I understand that you are raising money for homeless communities and uh, hurricane relief victims. Yeah. And other disenfranchised groups. But what does the organization do to raise money? So Happy Harmonies, um, it has grown and developed and ebbed and flowed over the years. So in 2013, I think it was just around maybe like right before the holidays, um, Benita and I were, were just hanging out and we're like, we, we need to do something. Like we are both passionate about outreach. We're both passionate about um, disenfranchised communities. What can we do? Why wait to, for someone to ask us to do something or why, you know, hop onto something else? Why not start our own thing? And it could start small and then who knows how it'll grow and, and develop. And so that year, um, we uh, encouraged, uh, I, I, I love it when you say badgered, but we encouraged our friends and families on social media and at work to um, donate money to our, we created a GoFundMe and we found two, was it two that year? Maybe it was one that first year, a local homeless shelter. Um, the homeless shelter that we found was, uh, it was called Haven House for Women and Children. And um, it was on Long Island and we just provided them with a party. So we weren't doing improv at the time. Uh -huh. um, we were just, yeah, we were just, uh, improv comes into play later in the years of Happy Harmonies, but we, um, we provided them with a party. And so we cooked food, we had desserts, we had crafts. We got some other of our friends to be volunteers and we shot, we used the money that was donated to finally, we called ahead of time, got the ages of the, um, of the children there and we, we bought gifts and um, we just gave them, you know, we did our best to give them a, as traditional a holiday family experience as possible within the realm of the shelter. And um, my favorite memory from that was well, there's two. There's one picture that we took of um, one of the little girls like giving us a hug and she had the Santa hat on. And she was like the most excited about everything. Mm -hmm. But um, one of my favorite memories was at the end of the event, the caseworker came to us and she said, a lot of these families have been in here for some are returned, like they, they left the shelter and came back for whatever reason, while others had been there for a few months and they've never had any event that brought them all together and got them being silly and like forgetting the circumstance, even if it is just for a few hours. So with that experience, it was like, we have to keep going. We have to keep, you know, we have to do it again. Um, and then after that few years, we did two shelters. And then I think the following year, we did join on, in with another organization called um, Operation Prom, where we used our platform to get prom dresses and uh we didn't do tuxedos but now that i'm thinking like why not tuxedos? um prom dresses from people just everyone has like not everyone a lot of people have a bridesmaid's dress that's in the back of their i'm looking at a bridesmaid's dress right now in my eyeline oh, right now wow. um in the back of their dress in the back of their closet they're not using 
So they were donated to this organization and Happy Harmony stepped in as uh, I guess like a, a co-donator and um, shoes, purses, jewelry. Some people donated their services, whether it was like um, haircuts, nails, you name it, makeup. And um, it was just such a, that was another like really beautiful event where the girls that came in to pick up their dresses they didn't know it was donated and they didn't know that this was a quote unquote charity event. And that is, that's, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because that is the dream. That's the idea. They don't need to know. They don't need to feel like this is something that's being given to them because of their, their, their current position. They went in this to them. It was a store. They were shopping. They got to try on the dress that we did like a silly, like say yes to the dress kind of moment and it was just beautiful and they got to experience prom just like any other teenager should experience prom. That's really so, cool. Yeah. And yeah. what a smart idea because there I've heard so many women talk about a bridesmaid's dress that really just can't be worn. <laughs> And, yes. Uh, yeah. Where are event. you going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not going somewhere. They need something so formal. Um, right. So why not donate? Yes. To, uh, yeah. To something. And then we get it out of your closet. Yep. And it's going to a good cause. So many people donate. I think people were happy to like take it. I don't want to look at it anymore. Um, and then we, we did a Valentine's Day event at a nursing home um, that was near to my heart. And we did. Um, the hurricane relief was when the improv came into play. Oh. So by that time, I think it was like 2017, um, uh, when Hurricane Maria really ravaged Puerto Rico and they needed as much support as possible. I couldn't get anything year wrong, but they needed as much support as possible. So we partnered with Jake's Diapers, which is a um, organization that at the time they happened to be stationed in Puerto Rico and they support it with uh they worked with families but specifically families that had younger children and needed those resources that we take for granted we walk into Target and we get you know people who need they get diapers or wipes those those items weren't accessible so um we were able to use improv it was bar prov but improv nonetheless improv and for those who don't know bar prov yeah talk about bar prov for a second <laughs> have you done uh, improv in a bar before not really. Uh, not okay. in a not in that kind of setting where there's an audience that's just trying to drink their beer. Um, uh huh. The bar. No, I've done stand up in that setting. A okay. Of times, but uh, more times than I could even guess to make. But um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the weeds about musical improv because I've okay. talked a lot on this podcast about improv before and, and yes, yes, you know, sort of integrity and principles that people want to have. For doing good improv scenes, but I've not mm. really gotten into that sort of discussion with someone in regards to musical improv. So, okay, when you are doing it, musical improv, mm -hmm. what are the principles that you're trying to focus on? What sort? What is a way to bring integrity to the scene? Obviously, okay. there's overlap with improv, and of course, yeah. I mean, you're still doing improv scenes, but when it comes to the musical aspect, what is it that you are really trying to focus on? I think. Um... People always say like, well, first of all, I am a firm believe that, believer that musical improv is easier. Um, we could say different, but I think it's a little bit easier than improv because you can go silly bananas and then go and then start singing a song about it. <laughs> you know, like you have that, that break of a song. But um, I think the difference or the the question was the way how do you bring authenticity to the stage yeah. when doing um, musical improv? Um, I think being grounded in who your character is and and having a clear want. If I'm um, if I'm channeling our coach Miles, I'm thinking of like what does your character want? Um, is what he would probably say because knowing what your character wants and having a clear idea of what the other characters want that'll carry you through the scenes so that the songs of course there can be like a silly like you know not throwaway but a silly um just because song but every song should be establishing um who the character is or where the scene is going 
And also with um, when people do, going back to our previous uh, discussion about like, how do you practice improv? When people do ask, how do you practice improv? It's a little bit easier to answer that for musical improv. I don't have to say like the sassy, like you see basketball, right? <laughs> I'll have to jump people into know that. that you know it's practicing singing and, and yes <laughs> yes and there's also there's also different um different story forms that mm -hmm. you you don't you don't plan ahead necessarily um but once you've trained and you know those story forms you can feel in the first scene oh this is going to be a traditional fairy tale or mm -hmm. this is going to be um like whatever this is going to be a different type you basically can feel knowing the those, beats right the yes, piece of a story yes. yeah which mm -hmm. i imagine nope. you can lean on your english knowledge yeah <laughs> it's a traditional hero's journey sometimes mm -hmm. that's that's mm -hmm. what i that's what a, um well not traditional because a traditional hero's journey has a lot of moving <laughs> pieces like refusal to the call we have 25 minutes we don't have time for all of that but um there is sometimes like a meeting the mentor uh, the failure and then the the arc, the story arc where the hero gets their want. Um, but yeah, definitely knowing those beats and being able to being able to have those beats in mind without planning everything out. Because just like any improv, um, any improv form, once you start planning, it's it, the story falls apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't you can't write a scene, but you can uh, be aware of where it's going. And then when you are on when you're working with with you know super talented performers and you have that synergy going there's just like this joy that that is like i know what you're about to do i'm about to do it too there's been times when i've been on stage with vanita and we start doing the exact same dance move undiscussed unplanned barely any eye contact but it's that connection that we have that it's like oh yeah that's where we're going got it and then there's also just like other improv scenes there's that moment where you like try to out silly each other on stage and that's <laughs> either a recipe for a lot of fun or a recipe for a disaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that is the fun part i think that um i for one can get so caught up in like okay you know like have integrity be good yes be good yes scene partner that it does take the fun and silliness out of it for me, yes. sometimes when I when it is just like, hey, let's just be silly and play mm -hmm. and goof around, and and a lot of my favorite improvisers are people who will come in and just kind of make a big bold silly choice just to sort of like goose you a little bit, you know? Yes, <laughs> yeah, and then yep, mm -hmm. they're forcing you to to either uh, to either con like you obviously have to yes and it, so you have to figure out a way around it. And the joke is like, what are you gonna what are you gonna do now? I've played with both though. I've played with like, um, I play with players who are so nervous that they want the scene to be so good that I, mm -hmm. I use the, the metaphor of like, the imagery, I guess, of like squeezing something. I'm gonna do a nerdy English teacher thing and make a, make a literature reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in, what is it, of Mice and, of Mice and Men, George and Lenny, Lenny, is the large guy who loves soft loves soft things but he doesn't know his own strength and so uh as they're walking from one they're like uh migrant workers and as they're walking from one job to the next i think uh george notices like either something smells or he notices that that lenny's playing with something and long story short he has a dead rat in his pocket and or a dead mouse in his pocket and he squeezed it to death because he doesn't know his strength because he loves it so much and I've seen people do that with improv where you, you, you want it to be so good that you're squeezing the life out of it and you don't give it room to just be its own fun, silly thing. Improv is is silly, like like you said earlier, like you're an adult playing on stage with invisible characters and costumes with another adult and it's just it's just supposed to be free and silly. So you have to be able to let go and not take it too seriously uh, or else it will suck the life out of it. Yeah, that is a really great way to put it because it does sort of squeeze the joy and fun out of it when it's like, yes. hey, you know, loosen up. We're just having a good time here. Right. And it's definitely coming from a good place, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, yeah, loosen up has to be silly. I love the comfort of like, like uh, Frank, for example, Frank Spitznagel. He's yeah. so talented, beyond talented. And sometimes you'll just, 
make one small comment or one small reference and he's playing and now so the game is not just with you and the players the game is with the musicians too where it's like you look over at frank like frank you're really gonna make me do this song i just mentioned that like i just mentioned something really silly and you're gonna make me do a song about um eating snow cones off the floor and okay i guess this is what we're doing because i don't have enough time to to undo it so we're just we're just going with it that kind of comfort is what makes it is what makes it something you know it, it makes improv something you can be passionate about mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for those who don't know frank uh frank snagel is the uh, musical director at the magnet and he plays piano and uh, yes. a couple of uh, other musicians who will play with him uh, during yes. the musical improv shows and they're phenomenal mm-hmm. performers wonderful musicians yeah. And he's really great. And, uh, you know, he, he does have a lot of say in, in direction of the scenes because he is, yeah. he's coming in for anyone who's seen North Coast, the hip hop improv group. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like the beatboxer coming in like, OK, it's time for a song. I didn't know this was coming right now, but here we go. Um, and I have to roll up the punch. Yeah, Which I think is one of the things that's so fun about about improv in general, uh, improv mm-hmm. in general what what is fun is when the performers are like all right i i'm gonna be spontaneous mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in my mm-hmm. spontaneity here and yes and go for this but it's always there in musical improv because so many times you see a performer go like look over at the music and like, yes yes all right, we'll look over. yeah <laughs> And, yeah. it, and it's they're experiencing that moment with us, with the audience. Yes, they are. They are the players. Yeah, they, are they players didn't know like it they're... was coming, and they're getting uh-huh. <laughs> pushed into this mm-hmm. uh, in the most fun way possible. Um, of course, is there a difference doing musical improv with a pianist and uh, musicians playing instruments and a beatboxer? Mm-hmm. Do you have to adjust at all for those two different styles? I, I think, yeah, definitely there is a difference. Um, I feel like with, I could be wrong, well, f- from my experience, with, a, with, a, with someone playing the piano, they're able to maybe catch and like support those. Um, if you go off track, because part of the storylines that we practice is also song structures that we practice. There's uh-huh. a tagline song, um, there's, a chorus verse song, a verse chorus song. There's a song of all, all, um, just chorus, chorus, chorus. Um, no, there's not. And I'm all the music I'm talking about that attack me for saying that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Michael. Um, <laughs> but there's different song structures. So if you fall off that structure, I feel like a, a pian- someone playing the piano will be able to kind of gently support you up and, and find your foot, help you find your footing. Um, with a beatboxer, there's a lot more freedom because you're rapping to that beatbox. Uh-huh. And um, for someone who's like on North Coast, everyone on North Coast is super talented. But I'm thinking of um, like people who have different flow styles. Um, it gives them the freedom to go from one, I don't even know the, the correct lingo, but from one style to the next. So um, I think that's the difference is that with, the piano it's a little bit more supportive and with the beatbox there's more allowance and more freedom for you to go from one level to the next and then maybe you're, you're doing like something fast and slowing it down and then kind of curbing the brakes and going in a completely different direction um but nothing i wouldn't say one is better than the other like they're right. it's, it's a completely different thing um and it's cool when they're like some of the north coast shows if not all the north coast it's been a while if not all the north Post shows that I did, there were there were both. Um, there was both the beatboxer and a uh, accompanist, and they. I'm sure they were doing the look at each other thing that we just talked about. Like, is this you? Is it me? Is it both of us? Okay, and figuring it out. Yeah, I haven't seen. I've seen a few of their shows, but it was a while ago. So it's maybe before mm-hmm. they started using a, a, a musician that was playing an instrument. Yes, other gotcha. Than their voice beatboxing yeah. is uh, playing an instrument. <laughs> it is. They it are is. A musician, but it's people will surprise different. you with their regular voice and they'll beatbox. It's like that came out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Malay, unreal with that. Uh, um, North yeah. Coast, pr- previous North Coast beatboxer. Unreal. Mm-hmm. With that. 
this has been a great chat. We are at the end of the interview, but now let's create something together. I'm let's see. I have an idea here, and I, I maybe it'll work out. So my idea, because you're an English teacher, uh, mm-hmm. and because you were talking about structure and, and classic structure of things, are there some books that you would recommend people read? if they are doing improv and want to understand structure better. Maybe there's a good book that utilizes the hero's journey. Oh, okay. Well. Then see. they can think, oh, okay, I get it better now. And that can maybe help them in their show that they're doing to, okay. to think about the beats. And yeah. What's needed or what can be done next. Right now, all I could think of are like the books I teach because I've been, <laughs> it's the first, first uh, three, this is the first, we're in week three of school, so I'm thinking of the books I teach. But um, there is a book called The Hero's Journey. It's actually, it's it's a screenwriting text by Joseph Campbell. Okay. Um, but that's that's just like to understand the, like I said, in improv, especially in a 25-minute musical improv show, there's not time to do all those steps. But right. it does spell out all those steps. And I feel like being aware of, um, it starts off with like an ordinary world, then you move on to uh-huh. the call to adventure. Usually in an improv show, you go straight to like the crossing the, the threshold the into the show. Right. Yeah, the call to event. But you, there's other steps in between that if you're aware of it, you can utilize it. Like maybe instead of just going straight into it, you have someone play the mentor or have someone play the, um, the, the shapeshifter that pretends to be like an ally and you're not. So that's one book just for like, structural but as far as like a story that follows the hero's journey this is a weird one but maybe and again i'm only my brain is is teacher fried so i'm only thinking (laughs) of books that i teach but um the great gatsby is a great book and i i we didn't get a chance to talk about it but we started talking a little bit about books that are like old and books that are a part of the literary canon and i i have gone on rants about the literary canon and how <laughs> how they how you know they have their place and how there's there's right. space for more diverse voices. Uh-huh. The Great Gatsby is 101 years old. It was it was written in 1920, I believe. So it, it is an old book and it is a part of the literary canon. But that character, um, you see the character develop and I would say that that shows like someone in chapter one, he's completely Nick Carraway, the main character, is a completely different person than he was in chapter in chapter eight and chapter five. And um, there's parts of the story where you ask yourself, like, do I trust him? And um, even as a reader, as you're reading his words, you're asking yourself, do I trust him? So that adds some like depth, I guess, to the character, and it adds some mystery for the reader. And I, I would, I love when I have the opportunity to play a complex character, not like that one-dimensional i'm evil for the sake of being evil you know like when you have those multi-dimensions so maybe that one and then um there's definitely a better book and when we end this call i'm gonna text you like wait but i didn't say this one. fiction or non-fiction doesn't matter no 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 i love i mentioned this book too much and people are gonna think it's the only book i read and i say this every time i mention this book beloved it's it's oh. it's such have you read beloved i have not i know about it it's yeah so that's another book where um the main i guess you can call her the main the main character or like yeah the main character is probably beloved but her mother setha um she does evil things without giving too much weight she does evil things for a good reason and um maybe like if someone were to someone getting into improv were to read that, they'd be able to also develop some more complexity into their characters. Um, yeah, there's so many books, and I wish I had like a list in front of me so I could be like this one, that one, this one, that one. Um, but as far I read, a, I listen, I listen to a lot of audiobooks too. Phoebe Robinson has an amazing audiobook. Mm-hmm. You can't touch my hair, where she talks about comedy. She talks about improv. Um, Ruffin is hilarious. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Whitney Cummings. I've listened to yeah, I listened to a lot of women, women of color, comedian women, actress women. Yvonne Orji, Jennifer. Who's Jennifer from um, Blackish? The mom, Jennifer. 
Uh, the mom. The mom. But not Tracy Ellis the, Ross, but. No, her mother-in-law. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, gosh. I'm blinking. Lewis. Jennifer Lewis. She's hilarious, and she wrote a book about her whole that. career. Oh, okay, I didn't like, know that. So um, I think getting into improv maybe those, yeah. Okay. I appreciate you sharing those because I think a lot of times teams can get stuck on what to do next and where can this show yeah. go. and Or you see a lot of shows and, all, and a lot of the scenes have the same beat structure. Um, yes. Because they're seeing maybe a lot of each other perform and, and you know, that just gets seeped in your brain somehow. But, yeah, of course. There's you know, no way around Learning it. these different beats and learning how, how different things are structured can help shake things up. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of shaking things up, I don't know if that's even a right segue, but uh, <laughs> I, um, Benita and I are on the cast. So um, oh. another, I, I, I feel like I'm always on like all female non-binary teams. <laughs> the cast is um, like dope show. Yeah. Cast is amazing. And they have a structure and yet all their shows are so different. They have that structure of we're in a play. But we're also looking at the back, the backstage moments. But their structure is, um, their structure is the same. But their the way they go about it is so different because they have, you know, such diverse players, different ways of thinking. Right. So just like yeah. movies and TV shows, I mean, the hero's journey is a super common thing. Yes, absolutely. And, but yet it plays out differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there yeah. it is, Cheryl. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, this was fun. I forgot we were recording. With last week's episode, this makes for back-to-back musical improv episodes. I hope you enjoyed that. We're about to post the enhanced version of last week's episode with Christine Chan on the YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash there it is. Be sure to like and subscribe and also check out that video. We mentioned North Coast a bit. I'd like to have more of them on, but we do have a couple who have been on. Kayla Milady and Douglas Wittick. Both episodes are in the feed. Those are episodes three and eight, respectively. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 